And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea, conversationalists across the fruited plain, ladies who lunch, princes of the universe, captains courageous, and the people on the wrong side of the tracks, it's Open Line Friday. Yeah, there it is. How's everybody doing? We're back on YouTube today for what it's worth. All right, so here's here <laughs> here's how it is. So we have um, a process uh, that we are in the midst of trying to get our copyright strike uh, taken down, and it's still in effect. But we are uh, we are able to live stream again to YouTube because apparently it's a seven day thing on that part of it. So we're back. However, that is not uh, that is not to say that we don't want you watching other platforms. So if if you still want to watch on YouTube on, on Rumble and Odyssey and and, and uh, Twitch, that's fine uh, because the more the more traffic and engagement we get over there, <laughs> it's better for us. <coughs> So I guess we could call this a Good Friday of sorts because not only are we able to stream to YouTube again, but I got a check from Google. So, you know, it's all good. I want to give a shout out to uh, everybody listening to us as a podcast. And they're all over the world. India, France, Germany, Poland, Canada. Good to have all of you with us as well. (coughs) And it is Open Line Friday, which means that you get to uh, steer the conversation a little bit back and forth. So uh, so we're going to open that up here in a minute. I've got to get my... uh, I didn't copy the link. i got to copy the link. Let's do that. Let's copy the link. All right. So here we go. Lots of things going on this week, and Keely um, <laughs> says it won't be a good Friday for Odin if he has to eat pineapple pizza. Well, you know, we all have our burdens to bear, right? All right, let me uh, let me do a couple of things. So, so there's uh, the deal. Uh, Marvel has has made a deal. Disney Marvel has made a deal with Victoria Alonso, which means she's not going to sue. And who knows what the consequences of that will be in the long run because she's not going to be the last one. She won't be the last executive at that level to be let go. And she won't be the last one to sue or threaten to sue um, in the wake of everything that's coming. Now, there are reports that Disney is about to let go of another 15% of their staff across entertainment and HR and marketing and sales and all this stuff. So another bloodbath is coming 
at the Walt Disney Company. Of course, we've got all sorts of layoffs and, and people getting fired everywhere else. Which is one of the reasons why I'm in I'm I'm relatively happy that I'm self-employed because I can't fire myself. Now, I might not get freelance work and that's that's a little thin. But I can't get fired. It's a minor little thing. But, you know, every little bit helps, right? Okay. All right. So um, I'm seeing... Oh, wait. Uh, StreamYard. What happened there? So I have the laptop here in front of me to control as control room for the... Whoa, hey, what's going on here? Stop that. Let's hit try again. Kick me out of StreamYard. All right. I might have to do this the old-fashioned way. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, so... Uh, yes, I was just... If you want, I'll fire you. You know, if, if all of you disappear, I guess that would be uh, the, the, kind of the same thing. If my audience disappears... You know, if I don't if I don't bring anything of value anymore, and you all just decide to go someplace else, then I guess that's kind of the same as firing me. I, maybe I don't know. All right, let me get back in here because my my buttons have disappeared, and I can't I can't get anybody in here. Cam says I Cam's got an odd perspective on Star Trek Picard. All right, well, let me as soon as I can get everything put together here. We will uh, we will have that conversation. Um, why? Come on. <sighs> this is what I get for using an old old computer for some of this stuff. I talked about Picard a little bit yesterday. The finale. I I didn't get into spoilers. Uh, it does set up Star Trek Legacy if they decide to do Star Trek Legacy. I don't expect to get an announcement on that until next week. Well, stop. It's, you know, value value is a subjective thing, I guess, right? Why is this not working? I may have to go I may have to go get another get another one here. Or we might have to do this just hmm. Hold on a second here. Why does what do you mean something went wrong? I'm in there. So StreamYard, okay, so the way this thing works, a little inside baseball here. The way this, the way I have this set up for Fridays, since we bring everybody in, we use StreamYard for Open Line Friday. And so I have two computers that I use for Open Line Friday. I have the one that's the main broadcast computer. This is the one that you see all the time, which is the big, you know, the bat computer here. And then I have this little laptop that I use to control the calls when they come in and bring the calls into the thing because I have to I have to have StreamYard as a full screen thing over here in order for it to look right in the in the camera in the window here in the broadcast because <coughs> otherwise it looks weird because if I if I do this see it like that 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 just that just aesthetically is not pleasing. So I have two different 
I have two different computers that I use for this. And the one that I was using for dialing other people in kicked me out. So apologies, folks. Uh, we had some, we've had some technical issues this morning. And for whatever reason, Rumble took forever to connect today. So that's one of the reasons why we were a little late. So there's that. And it probably needs more screen. I, you know, I have, I have, uh, I have had that conversation with Mrs. Boss that maybe I need one more screen. <coughs> and no, the computer did not fire me. The computer just kicked, kicked out the sink. Yes, I know the browser can't access devices. It doesn't need to. Thank you very much. Get that warning out of the way. All right, here we go. I got it. <sighs> It is one of those days, folks. All right, let me get here, here, there, there. Open that. Okay. Let us put that there. All right. The uh, the the uh, the the number is in the chat. It's in the chat over here. Pin that. I, you know, what's frustrating about Rumble is I can't pin I can't pin chats in Rumble. At least I don't know that I can. I have not seen. I have not seen where I can do that yet. All right, the link is in everywhere. Uh, Mazer says, the Twitter user named Iron Inquisitor one just posted an image of some Disney publication uh, assumed from the 80s of a very beardless George Lucas. I, I'll have to see that. Uh, Dave says, I'll donate my Vic 20 or C64. You, you know what? Well, they, Commodore 64, there's a new one. They, they did a, they sent, they put a new one out last year? Year before, how long ago has that been? Where they basically took the the Commodore sixty four keyboard, and they've turned it into a modern day function computer. But the aesthetic, it looks the exact same as uh, as ye olden Commodore sixty four. I've been tempted to get one, um, but I haven't because you know that would cost money. All right, Cam joins the call. First of all, you've got some uh, you've got some thoughts on Picard. Snob's got a thirty year old Amiga. Wow. Well, see, and and, and that where did it go? Um, the 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 Macintosh that I've got here still works. So you know, there's that. Hi, Cam. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Okay. Um, this is going to be a little bit negative sounding, but uh, I want to put out the disclaimer that I am speaking from a position of ignorance uh, to some degree because I haven't watched the show, but okay. that's, that's really what this is about. Uh, so my curiosity. Okay. Hang on. Let me, though, let me, let me ask a clarification question first. <clears throat> you haven't watched which show? Picard season three. Okay. You haven't watched any of that season. Well, I I've seen, I've seen, a good number of clips from it, but I haven't sat down and actually watched the episodes, you know, like okay. are supposed to be watched. I gotcha. okay. So All right. it, it, this might sound a little strange, but th this is, 
kind of the point. So, uh, you know, I was a, a big Star Trek fan, and I don't really count myself as a current fan um, for a number of reasons. Um, but my curiosity has has gotten the better of me. So, I, you know, there's all these clips that pop up of of the third season here. Yep. Um, uh, you know, of the of the show I enjoyed. So I've watched a number of them uh, as it's kind of gone on. And so I have that as one perspective is just seeing these these action packed snippets, you know, kind of highlights. And then, uh, you know, last night I said, well, you know, I should what is this really about? What What's the real story of this season? So I went and I read a synopsis of of the season. And when I was watching the clips, I was like, oh, you know, this like a lot of people are saying, this actually looks good. I'm seeing these characters that I really like back together and doing things. And it's like, you know, there's some spoilers in here, by the way, if anybody's really concerned. Um, but it's like, oh, you know, the Enterprise D and, you know, all these things, you know, it, it makes a fan's heart, you know, go pitter patter. Right. Right. But I read the synopsis and I, and I, and I was like, f- from, from that perspective, I'm like, this is, this is Drek. This is, this is bad fanfic. I mean, just I, I, well. Let, let me. I shouldn't say bad. It's just so laden with fan service. Again, based on not having actually seen the show. Uh-huh. So here's my theory. Here's my theory. Mm. And and this is a little bit negative, and I don't mean to insult anyone because if someone enjoys something for entertainment, God bless them, right? Right. But, but I think this might be a situation of. Uh, hunger being the best sauce or you know any port in the storm or or, or you know uh, yeah i, I think there's know. i think there's some of that uh because comparatively speaking season three of picard is leaps and bounds past Anything else that Kurtzman has put out in terms of quality and enjoyability and entertainment factor. And you're right, there is a lot of fan service in season three of Picard. And some of that, I think, can be attributed to the fact that Terry Metalis has been with Star Trek. He started his career with Star Trek back in the Voyager days. Because he was a... He was a uh, a production assistant on one of the shows, either Voyager or Enterprise, is where he got started as as a production assistant. And Metallus Prime actually comes from an episode of Enterprise, and it was you know this is a planet that figures pretty prominently in 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 season three of Picard. And Metallus Prime was named for Terry back when he was an uh, when he was an assistant. It was kind of a a, a joke among the crew at the time, but he went ahead and went with a lot of people say, oh, well, he put himself in. No, that's that goes all the way back to Enterprise. And you're right, there is a lot of fan service, and Terry Metalis is responsible for a good deal of that. Uh, but at the same time, like I said yesterday, this feels more like a greatest hits album than it does a fan fiction with let's throw everything in because all of the fan service to me, and this is just my opinion, but all of the fan service to me feels organic to the story that he's telling. It's not something we just throw it in to sit there and go, Hey, you remember this? You remember this? You remember this? It actually kind of fits in. He's woven this thing into the narrative. Now, is the story great? Not really. I mean, it, it, it works. It holds together. 
there's a couple of things. I I'd probably give it a seven and a half, eight out of ten, because there's some there, there's some things, some niggling things along the way that I'm like, ah, hang on, that doesn't quite work, and I wish you did this way instead of that way, and of course we still need to put lights on the ship, but. For the most part, this season holds together, and it is a lot more entertaining than anything else that Kurtzman's put out. Strange New Worlds is okay, uh, but Picard Season 3 is, to me, a lot better even because of the let's pull everything together and once more with feeling type of, of, of emotion that comes through. So, I, I mean, if you haven't sat and watched it yet, I would recommend sitting and watching it because you, you probably would enjoy it. Well, that, I think I, I'm not disagreeing with anything you say there. I, I think that's good because I'm undoubtedly, the host. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if I did sit down and watch it, you know, with the experience of, of not having any of this other baggage, I'm, I'm sure I would enjoy it to some degree. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I, I, I did actually watch, um, uh, discovery the first two or three episodes and you know i i this and i watched it years after you know after it originally came out you know this was just maybe six months ago or something i got a free preview weekend or something and 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 watched it because i had heard so much about it and and so i didn't go in with any expectations that it would be anything and i sat there and i watched those few episodes like it, it wasn't bad in well, I shouldn't. I'm not going to say it's good, but it wasn't like I was angered by it or anything because I looked at it just within itself. Yeah. You know, I I I I, I had already discounted it. So this isn't Star Trek. You know, this is something else, and I didn't hate it. So, I, if I could divorce myself from from the situation enough, I, I'm sure I I I might be able to well, enjoy Picard season three. Picard. Well, see, the thing about it is though, uh, what they're calling Terry Trek doesn't feel like anything from Kurtzman because Kurtzman wasn't involved in this. I'm going to bring in Sci-Fi Snob here in the in the call as well. Welcome, sir. But Hello, thank you. Terry Trek feels very different from Kurtzman Trek. And 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 I get it that Alex Kurtzman's name is still on the label, but he's off doing other stuff. He hasn't he hasn't been involved in season three of Picard. It's been it's been Terry's show all the way, and we've had uh, we've had Robert Meyer Burnett talking about conversations that he's had with Metallus, basically saying, "How did you get away with all of this?" And Terry sits there and says, "Well, nobody was looking over my shoulder. They just let me do whatever because they don't care anymore." And that tells me a lot about. Kurtzman's approach to all of this from the get-go. Uh, but I think you could see with Section 31, for example, the commitment to Alex Kurtzman is becoming more and more diminished. And I think as people sit there and do the hashtag Star Trek Legacy, we want Terry Metallus to do more, we may actually get some more Star Trek that actually feels like Star Trek if the right people are making it, and I think Picard season three is a good is a good mix of that. Like I said, it's not great. It's not it's not the best, but you know, we we go to the we go to the Eagles concert. We go to the Doobie Brothers concert because we want to we want to hear all of the hits, right? And this feels like a greatest hits album this season does. Yeah, the the, the other thing that occurred to me with this is you know I was looking at the storylines. I'm like. 
uh, and I understand people crave a lot of the old stuff. I'm like, this guy just vacuumed up about any possible thing that, <laughs> that people <laughs> like from the past and threw it in here. I mean, it, it's again, I won't say it's horrible, but to me, it felt like, oh, I just kind of played a, a role playing game of mega fans, you yeah. know, uh, again, just based on reading it, not not, you know, experiencing it properly. I, well, I, I and, don't want to pretend on, like I did. And on paper. Yeah, I think I think on paper it's going to come across a lot different than it would with you watching it. Snob, what do you think? Sure. Um, I have to say that I'm I'm very jealous of Cam. Um, he basically came through came uh, to the same conclusion that I did, except he didn't have to sit through to ten hours of crappy Star Trek. <laughs> so uh, I, you know, I'm pretty jealous. Um, you know, I could have saved ten hours of my life, uh, but no, he's exactly right. It it is. I mean. I'm a story guy, right? I like a good story. I, you can, if you write a good story, it can be about almost anything and people will like it. Uh, what they've done here is they didn't have, I mean, is it better than season one or two? Yes, but those seasons are horrible. Like yes, those are. things are the worst thing ever made in the history of man, you know, on the level of Batwoman. I mean, well, it's bad. Uh, let me, let me, let me interject. Season one and two are horrible. Let me interject there. Because the worst thing in the world, as far as a, as far as a, a a film television production, is a film called The Unsinkable Shecky Moskowitz, and it's not called The Unsinkable Shecky Moskowitz anymore. It's an old Adam Sandler movie from '89, and it was na- it's now been since rechristened Overboard, but it's about Shecky Moskowitz who is, a, I guess, a janitor or a porter or something, he wants to be the stand-up comedian on the staff of a cruise ship. And it is the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. I only saw the first 15 minutes of it. We got up and walked out because every other word was an F-bomb. And it was the dumbest thing that we'd ever seen, ever. So Okay, but... Some things are so bad that they can be enjoyed ironically. That's true. Right? Yes. Now this, you know, start this this Kurtzman track cannot. Right. I mean, everything that I mean, I'm surprised because Cam hasn't seen it, and yet he's exactly right. It's a whole bunch of fan service uh, wrapped around a very very poor story. I mean, it's the most basic. If I was recommending this to a science fiction fan and they didn't know anything about Star Trek or and just took anything out of Star Trek. I would I would not recommend this season 3. I mean it's just it's not good science fiction. It's not good fiction. Um you know and it's a bunch of member berries uh you know thrown in there. And yes, you know, I I've seen just about every Star Trek there is with the you know of all modern Trek even Kurtzman Trek. I I can't swear on a that I've seen all of the original series. I've probably seen most of them, but I haven't watched them back to back, but I've seen everything on Star Trek and even this crappy stuff and uh, this new stuff. And, you know, it is uh, the only reason to watch it, to watch this season is if, if you're saying, Hey, I really liked the next generation crew. That was my first crew. That was kind of my first crew too. Um, I really like to see them back together, you know, doing their own thing. And uh, that's the only reason to watch that. Yeah. You know, on on that point, let me recommend then. Go, go ahead, uh, Cam. Let me recommend that you just watch the clips on YouTube because uh, <laughs> you might get all the enjoyment you need out of it's that. It's too late for me. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's too late. All right. But I would agree. Yeah. Mazer joins us as well. Hello, sir. How are you? It's been a while. Yeah, a couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement on Picard having seen the the wrap up last night. Yeah. Um uh to kind of uh piggyback on what Snob just said, it's 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 member berries done right, but you have to kind of keep that in mind and you know when you see member berries done wrong like in the rise of Skywalker, um oh, yeah. you have to start asking yourself or this is what I'm asking at this point, is this going to become the standard? Because that's not good. We still need to be blazing new trails and new uh, story arcs. Um, and just building on this type of storytelling, you you can't do that infinitely. At least I don't think you can. I think, uh, I think that if we get Star Trek Legacy, that we might actually get some opportunities for new stories like that because you got a brand new crew, you got a new cast of characters, a new ship, um, and yeah, there's going to be a little bit in there of maybe not necessarily some fan service, but you'll probably get callbacks to other shows because you've got legacy characters there still with Seven and with Q and I mean Q's back. Yeah, I don't understand that either. The Q thing. I guess it, it's it's some people are postulating he came to Picard's son at a different time in his life. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the working theory that I've seen. Uh, that what we saw with Q in season two takes place t- uh, temporally after whatever it is that he's going to do with Jack. So. Yeah, it, it it really doesn't matter because as far as I'm concerned, season one and two never happened. Uh, just yeah, so they horrible. were they were utter. I never, I didn't even watch season two. And and where <laughs> were the, anything? Where were the Borg that Doctor Gerardi turned into the friendly Borg? Why didn't they show up at the end? Who cares? That's a that's Don't a question. It. Well, and and I think that that might also have a little bit of time travel hand wavium in there too, right? Because alternate universe, alternate dimension, maybe, maybe they maybe they're not even in this this timeline. They can't put anything together. I mean, these I these guys are hacks. They, they can't. Well, it feels they can't do anything right. It feels like, and and this is this is just my my read on it. It feels like Terry Metalis is in the same position that Manny Cotto was for the third season of Enterprise, fourth season of Enterprise, uh, fourth season. And I've talked to Manny about this, and the the general idea was that when Manny Cotto was handed the reins of Enterprise as showrunner, they already knew that the show was done. But the commitment there for him was, let's get it more toward the continuity of Star Trek, because this is a Star Trek prequel, and it needs to head in the direction of stuff that we've already got, that we already know has been established in continuity. So he had this this sense of responsibility to get Enterprise and 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 Cam like you you talked about earlier, Enterprise, to me was decent science fiction, but it was poorly executed Star Trek, and there is that distinction that you have to make, like you did with Discovery. And I think Terry Metalis is in that same position where he's like, okay, I've got this show, and I've just been handed control of this show that has no real resemblance to Star Trek like it's supposed to, so let's see what we can do to salvage it and get it back to a place where the fans can enjoy Star Trek again, and now we can go make new stuff. 
I mean, I'm, uh, I'm guessing Jason, at his motives, but that's what this Jay- feels like. Jason likes, I mean, you like Terry Metallis. You're, you're saying good things. About him. I don't know him from, you know, uh, a hole in the wall, yeah. but I will, I will agree that, you know, the guy was handed a bad deal. I mean, he's got to make the best of this horrible situation. And so I will give him personally, you know, some uh, leeway because, you know, he, you know, he got a bad deal. I mean, he had to deal with this stuff before. So I am, I'm willing to um, anything he does in the Star Trek universe that has his name on it. I'm willing to, I'm not going to write it off right off the bat. I'm willing to check it out and see if it's good simply uh, because of that reason. So I'm, I'm willing to give him a chance, but uh, you know, this is, it still does not make this season a, a, good storytelling well i think there's the the biggest question for me with regard to the changelings being involved and i and i get it you have the have the rogue element and whatnot i have never been a fan of section 31 i when it was first introduced way back in the day at deep space nine i've never liked this idea it doesn't fit star trek and bringing it back in connection with the change, and it does feel like we've cherry-picked from the various different shows. And what I'm sitting here still wondering is this this partnership between the, the changelings and the Borg, what do the changelings get out of it? Yeah, that was question. my question. I was like, well, what's, what's, their, what's their motivation for this? What, how do they benefit? And I never got an answer they- to that question. They get to be assimilated last. <laughs> I guess. How do you assimilate a change? How how do you assimilate uh, goo? I'll assimilate I mean, you last. How how do you, how does that work? But you know. No, what, I mean. What, wait, where did Cam go? Well, we lost him. We lost Cam. All right, Cam, come back. No, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think don't... that there's some good there's some good hooks in here. I mean, mm-hmm. we want to know what happened to the the. The changelings, um, you know, the Borg is kind of. I'm, I'm a little bit tired of them, but they were a good yeah. enemy. You can bring them back, but you got to do it in the right way. And they just didn't put the effort in to make it all make sense. It's like we got to put these member berries in here, and they got to fit in over here and here and here, and let's build a story around that. It's the wrong way to do it. Yeah. Well, and I think the biggest thing for me, and they even said said this. I mean, there's a line of dialogue in there when when uh, when Shelby shows up. And, you know, there's this big to-do about this, you know, connecting all of the ships together. And it's Shelby that's the one who's like, wait a minute. No, why why is Shelby doing this? Why is Shelby saying that this is a good thing, that all of these ships can be connected like a big collective? That doesn't make any sense. So... I'd have to go back. There, isn't there a couple of things like that? Like I'd have well, to go back and watch everything. There's a line. Well, actually, Picard actually says a line about the irony of Shelby being the one to supervise this whole, you know, fleet, fleet, whatever the connection, whatever, whatever they called that. Fleet formation, yeah. I think is what they call it. And he's right. I mean, this is a dumb idea. And it was a it's, dumb idea in Lower Decks. So, you know. It's a, it's a pretty bad uh you know, it's pretty bad writing when you have to, when a character in the uh, in the show has to say something because you, they know that the audience is thinking that's the stupidest thing I ever heard, and they got to make some. Yeah, I that's, think that happened in. It's called that happened in something with. 
Go ahead. Uh, it's Sorry. called it's called lamp shading. Yeah. They, they well, acknowledge they acknowledge the problem by making it a problem within the within the story of the yeah. you know within have, the story. Have you of the story. have either Didn't of you had the misfortune like of seeing lower decks? I I've um, seen a I little am, bit. So I've seen lower decks. I've I'm up to I think I've seen most of I might be missing a few episodes here and there of season two, but I've seen the right. uh, the last few episodes for sure. I I I might be missing a few episodes. Then you know they they do that in in lower decks. They do the same. So, the scene where Seven of Nine is supposed to say her first "Take us out" or whatever. That every comment coming in from the side, "This is your legacy." That. That made me think of Lower Decks, and yeah. I really rolled my eyes at it. Well, and they did the so, conne- they did the connected ships thing in Prodigy as well. But that was I an out that, that was an outside force. You know, that was a that was a computer virus that infected the Starfleet ships and started connecting them all together. That's a different kind of thing than Starfleet doing it to themselves. Which I mean, this it's a it's a it's a dumb idea. And as some as as people have pointed out. They did that in Battlestar Galactica. And Enterprise yeah. D is basically the Galactica because it's the old analog technology that yeah. doesn't connect to the network. And I'm like, okay. So I I'm gonna comment on Lower Decks. I hated the show when it first came out. Um now but I've been sort of watching a little bit of it, keeping up with it just because at, at night I'm bored. But uh, I am starting to appreciate the show a little bit more. Yeah. Now, it's not Star Trek. It's making fun of Star Trek. And as long as you look at it, it look, this is not Star Trek. They're going to make fun of Star Trek. And in every episode, there's at least, I don't know, three or four, something like that, references to something. They're always saying, oh, remember when Picard did this? Or like, there's always some reference. Yeah. I mean, now some of them are, most of them are kind of, you know, surface level and pretty, pretty dumb. But there's a, you know, there's some that are kind of a little bit funny. Like they go to, uh, they go to Earth and they go to, um, you know, uh, what's his name's uh, father's uh, restaurant, uh, his oh, Cajun Cisco's? restaurant. Yeah, Cisco's and they, dad. Cisco's dad. And they, uh, and on the thing they got the hot sauce, and it's called uh, Ketrasel Red Hot Sauce or something like that. <laughs> so like there are a couple in there that's pretty funny, but most of the time, like each. 30 minute episode is full of at least three or four or more references to some other Star Trek. And sometimes they just reference yeah, they it. Sometimes they make fun of it. Um, what did you, you know, think like of say, the, uh, the badgy episode the, of, uh, lower decks? Yeah. Well, they're in the holodeck and that dude creates a, it's, it's almost meant to be a spoof of the Microsoft paperclip. Yeah. Yeah. That I haven't, I have not seen that one since last year. So I've been, uh, binging season two, so I can't remember. I mean, it was, I mean, it's it's the paperclip guy running around and he goes crazy and uh, right, he like, becomes self aware. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And and uh, just to let everybody that know, kind of weird. Ba- uh, uh, Badgie is getting a Hallmark ornament this year, and that's not there... unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's I don't know if that's worth the Hallmark. I mean. You know, I'm. Uh, you know, just imagine if that paperclip guy from micro from the year old Microsoft tried to murder you. I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's back. better. I mean, I think there's better concepts than that. Like, like, uh, like some of them, like, like second first contact or second. You know, like that kind of stuff. You're kind of like, yeah. You know, after Picard does first contact, who do they? What happens? Like, who do they send in after that? And they said, oh, they send in this crappy crew of the Cerritos, the people who are, you know, 
the losers of uh, Star Trek go in. Right. right. Like, and, like some and, of these things are kind of, concepts are kind of funny because you don't you don't think of them, but. Well, and the other thing, uh, you know. too, uh, and, and a couple of people have pointed out that in fleet formation, when you've got all of the fleet there for Frontier Day, there's no California-class ship in that mix. No. None. Which is <laughs> the, uh, odd. Like the uh, in the the latest one, uh, you're talking about lower decks where the uh, you know they they have these robot ships and of course they 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 turn them on and they go self aware and they just start oh now we now we're not slaves anymore we're gonna blow everybody up and uh, the admiral whose idea it is you know uh, the the other captain she says something to him and he's going you know how hard it is to get recognized to be an admiral you gotta make you know like he's just doing this stuff in order to um, to bring. Uh, you know, to bring some attention to himself so he can get promoted. And uh, it's kind of funny because uh, I spent some time in the military and um, that that kind of happens. Like there's mm-hmm. this sort of a 20-year cycle and you start at the top of the cycle and you say, they'll say something like, oh, you know, we need more of X, so we got to do more of this. And then they start following it. It becomes more and more. And after 20 years, some guy comes in and says, oh, you know, whatever you did, what have you changed in X 20 years ago? He's got to change it back to the old way it was by that time because it's like, oh, it's too much of this. We need more of, you know, not X back. So it's uh, it's just a bunch of, at the highest levels, it seems to be a bunch of people just, you know, coming up with ideas so they can get promoted. And the circle just goes around and around and around. Yeah. yeah. And uh, anecdotally, you know, I, I do see a lot of memes circulating. The biggest one is probably Captain Shaw and his no to Picard and yeah. Riker at the beginning of the season. Uh, I saw one the other day that uh, was a back and forth between him and Grogu in the IG-11 suit, uh, <laughs> saying no back and you forth. You know, Shaw, oh, no. Shaw grew on me. I, I when, when we first meet him, he's a jerk. You, you're not supposed to like him. But I immediately said, okay, he's got an arc. And he's got a reason for not being uh, a nice guy. And, and there's one line in the first episode where he makes a comment about the fact that Seven of Nine and Picard both are ex-Borg. And it's a disparaging comment. It's just this offhand, sarcastic, snide remark. And I looked over at Mindy. I said, he survived Wolf 359. There's going to be a Borg-related reason why he is the way he is. And it turns out I was right. So I I I didn't like Shaw. Uh, I, the actor is good. Uh, the problem is, is, and, and I see, you know, what you're talking about and I think, but they could have done it better. Like he could be, I mean, you know, captains, you know, mid-level captains don't insult, you know, famous admirals that everybody knows and respects. Like they should have just turned it down a little bit. They should have made it more under the table. Like you can tell that he's got something but he's not overly disrespectful but shaw's attitude toward picard is not very much different from cisco's you were the borg that led you you were the one that led the attack you killed my shipmates you killed my family you killed my friends it's the same kind of thing as what we got from ben cisco that's only one like one interaction in one show right right and they're just sort of meeting each other you know, yeah, like, but if like Picard, ships passing in the night. But if and Picard had gone. been part of DS9, there would have been that, that friction would have been there for a long while. And I and I think they would have done it better. I mean, it's just, Shaw is just, he's openly insulting uh, to Picard. He also, he, he blames Picard, like, the whole, 
like he doesn't act and it's not you know it's not the character's fault it's the writing he doesn't act like a captain like he just like the captain is supposed to make uh take responsibility he's the where the buck stops yeah and it doesn't matter if you know picard says we should do this or we should should do that uh you know it's not Shaw's job to uh, complain about Picard's, you know, idea, which he thinks is stupid or, you know, whatever. Oh, you're going to get us in trouble, blah, blah, blah. No, he's the boss. He's supposed to say, yeah, thank you for your uh, input there, Admiral. I'm going to go my own way and make a decision. And, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, I, for example, he says to when he says to uh, Riker, he gets injured. and He's like, oh, you got us into this. Now you guys got to get us out. I'm going to give up my command because I'm injured. Like, that's just... Well, That's okay. Just poor hang on, hang on, hang on, because in the original series, this kind of thing happened as well, because you had Kirk. Now, if you consider that Picard is a retired admiral, he's not part of the chain of command anymore. He's just a visiting dignitary now. For sure. And if you look at how Kirk treated those characters. I mean, Ambassador Fox, in uh, when they went to Amini R7, uh, Commodore Stalker, um, uh, uh, the guy, the guy on on uh, uh, with the Sherman's Planet thing and the Tribbles, he Kirk doesn't have a whole lot of respect for these ambassadors who get in his way, and you could see the disdain in how he talks to these to these characters. So there's there's precedent there. But these are but these are civilians, right? The well, so is Picard. Is, no, but he's not. He's a former. But admiral. at that point, at there's that point, big, though, but he's, a big he is between, a civilian, though. At that point, but it, but it doesn't matter because there's a big difference between civilians who don't understand the military way at all and the way that they're treated. Yeah. And there's a different between a guy who spent forty years in the military and then is now just happens to be a civilian. Like you don't. You know, trust me, you don't spend 40 years in the military and then you leave the next day and you change. You're yeah. the same person you are. Um, you know, that there's a big difference. It, it's the respect between, you know, this guy knows what I'm doing. And uh, I mean, of course, it, you know, Kirk should be skeptical of these, you know, uh, dope smoking hippie civilians. They're going to come in there. We should just be peaceful with right. them and shake their hands and they're going to like him. And he's like, no, they're not going to like us. I've been here before, right? Of course, that's very normal. But this is a former military person who knows how it goes. So I, I just think, I, I, you know, I take your point and I'm not saying that, you know, Shaw, like I'm Shaw, the way he would react would be to, to say, okay, you know, he would listen to what Picard would say or Riker would say, because they are former military and they're more, they were more senior to them. They're more experienced than them. They've been, he's been, they've been through more and he would maybe listen. And maybe you'd get a sense of, he doesn't like Picard. He doesn't like to take his advice. You'd get a little bit of that under the, uh, yeah. an undertone, they but he wouldn't some insult rape, them. Rape Palpatine syndrome. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't say, Oh, now like it's his ship. Like to say, Oh, you know, you guys got us in this trouble. Now you got to get us out. No, that's your ship. You're not going to give that up. That's yours. This is, you're responsible for this. You're just going to, oh, the first time I'm going to give it away to some other guy, the guy who got us into this trouble already and the guy I don't trust? doesn't make any sense. Well, he What doesn't... do you both think about the decision to kill him off? I, that felt arbitrary to me, like they were just making yeah. room for Seven to become captain. Lazy. Well, part, partly, change. 
Part, I don't, partly I don't that, think Captain has the experience, or Seven doesn't have the experience to be Captain yet. She well, needs more, now, uh, now she has been she has been a, a, a Fenric Ranger or whatever that is. So she has had responsibility for other people under her command, and that yeah, but, experience you know, has been kind of tra- well. It's like when uh, when Colonel Kira, uh, when they put her into Starfleet, she was already at a at a commander's rank when they flipped her over. So, you know, the experience in one She was already a, thing, a major right, a but commander she was, level yeah, but for, seven, seven of nine for was, seven years. Yeah, but Seven of Nine had the experience as a ranger doing that. So I guess they counted that to, to yeah, when but, they flipped her into Starfleet. I mean, you, don't take, you don't take somebody who's like, you know, run a fishing trawler and been captain of like <laughs> six people and then say, hey, guess what? You're going to be now in charge of this... Uh, this aircraft carrier with 6,000 people on it. I mean, it's not the same thing. A captain is not a captain, right? I can be a captain in charge of my little fishing boat and, you know, going around catching fish by myself. That doesn't mean I'm qualified to run the USS uh, aircraft carrier, the, the enterprise. I mean, not the same thing. Yeah. But this is not the flagship. No, but it's a, that's a powerful warship. I mean, it's okay. It's not. It's not the Enterprise, but it's it's a cruiser. I mean, yeah. you know, equivalent to a cruiser. You will take some guy, you know, fishing off the coast of uh, Nova Scotia and make him in charge of some U.S. Uh, destroyer or cruiser. It's just yeah. not the same thing. Well, N seven does have experience in Starfleet on the Voyager for seven years, so that has to As, count for something. As the lowest-ranking crew member, she's well, not even she has a rank. She didn't have a rank, but she had a, a she had a set of responsibilities that continued to increase. So. True, and, I mean, and I'm just time playing devil's again, advocate here. So time and time again, she uh, you know she fought against authority and uh, and yeah. uh, you know made decisions that would make any other Starfleet uh, officer be thrown in the brig. Yeah. All right, Cam, you got an idea there. What what do you want to share? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mentioned. Uh, sorry if I if I'm kind of going back to a different topic here, but I mentioned about you know how um, Terry Metalis vacuumed everything up, and and maybe with good intentions. But let me pose uh, the idea that this is actually bad for fans of you know classic fans. He has uh, basically locked out so many points. Let's say you're a Tuvok fan, or you're mm-hmm. or you're a Seven of Nine fan, or uh, you wanted to know what happened to the changelings after, uh, you know, the, the, he has, has basically got his paws all over everything and, and and basically made it very difficult for anyone else who would want to explore those old things to do so, or at least they would have to deal with what he's done. And, and you know, let's say some, you know, one of the uh, DS9 uh, alums wanted to do something. It's like, oh, well, now, okay, thanks. You just dug in my ditch here. Um, DS9 didn't hit too much. I mean, the changelings, I guess. Um, well, with with regard to the changelings, we, we have this particular group of changelings. They establish in dialogue that these are rogue changelings. So you have mm-hmm. that as an out. They're not part of the Great Link. We say we we had that in I think it was Worf talking about how these these changelings are separated from the Great Link, and Odo warned Worf about them. Uh-huh. So you could still go back and explore 
the aftermath of DS9 with the changelings in the Great Link without having to do anything that touches on these rogue changelings because they're separate, completely different thing narratively. Yeah, he, he didn't, you know, it's not like he, he took up everything, but okay, you, well, look at all look at all the cameos that, you know, that came through. Um, it, 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 he took a lot of ground and and again it's like oh that's great i i'm i'm really happy that i saw roe it's like well there's her story's done you know uh, not that you know michelle forbes wouldn't necessarily want to do a show or whatever but it, the, he closed a lot of doors is all i'm saying i th- i think cam makes a good point and uh you know it it for me it takes away from the story when you know you're saying that wharf is oh odo told me about this and a lot of it a lot of this dialogue just seems to be like oh hey we're going to put this stuff in here and then, oh, but we want to take it back a little bit. Let's make up the, let's have the character say some stuff. Oh, these are rogue changelings. Like, do we really care? Doesn't matter. We're going to say that, though, so that way that we can leave this door open. And I'm just thinking, are they just, you know, are they just jerking us around here? Like, why? Oh, these are the changelings, but they're not the real changelings so that we can do another show about them later if we want to. Got to leave that little out for us. Well, okay. Like, why not so, just write a good story? Well, uh, well I mean, good is good is subjective. I mean, if it's something that you enjoy then uh, is that considered good? I mean, if you, if you enjoyed it, and I'm not saying you enjoyed it, but if there's something that you enjoy that everybody else looks at and goes, why in the world do you like that? Does that make it not good? Well, I mean, everyone, since I'm the sci-fi snob, everyone knows that my decision <laughs> is, uh, I am the arbitrator of what is good and not in right. science fiction. Did any of you guys catch Walter Koenig's voice the first time? I yes. actually did. Yeah. 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 I, I was like, what? He's still alive and he's the president of uh, Earth? Except Holy it's moly. not, he's not playing Pablo yeah, Chekhov. we know. We he's know. playing Anton yeah. Chekhov. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's playing his grandson or something. Yeah. And somebody, somebody, somebody pointed out if you if you go back and use look at how Russian names are are structured. Uh, if if Anton Chekhov, the son of Pavel, does the traditional structure of the name, his name would be Anton Pavlovich Chekhov, which is the name of Chekhov of Chekhov's gun. And of course, you also have Anton Yeltsin, so which is probably what you know they named Anton Chekhov after Anton Yeltsin, but it also fits to Anton Pavlovich Chekhov, who is the playwright, you know, of the of the Pavlo uh, of the uh, of the Chekhov's gun trope, which I thought was kind of a nice touch. So it's a Jason, it's what? a wink and a nod, and, and you know, and there's there's a lot of that. Like I said, great. I hits. would like to count someone to go in and count how many of these memberberry wink and nods are in there. There's a there's a lot uh, of well, Screen Crush Screen Crush does some pretty good videos going through and pointing out a lot of the different connections to to previous track. All right, what somebody work. somebody wants to ask me? What do you what do you want to ask me? Um, just because I have not been following it closely enough what do we know so far about star trek legacy as far as what what it's about uh is it green lighted do we have any no. release dates officially what, what is it officially it does not exist as of yet um it's there's been there's been talk about it there's the hashtag star trek legacy and a lot of people are sitting there going well if you want it to happen then you got to keep pushing paramount to make it uh, but officially, there is nothing yet. Metallus has confirmed that right now he's not working on any Star Trek project. Uh, Legacy has not been greenlit. The only ones that we have officially right now are Starfleet Academy and Section 31, 
which has been reduced from a series to a limited series to now it's a movie. And that tells me that CBS and Paramount's commitment to Kurtzman is kind of on the wane because, yes, we've got you till 2026, and we have to we have to fulfill some obligations here. But Michelle Yeoh is now going to be much more expensive because she just won an Oscar. And we don't have enough confidence in you to give you money for a 10-episode series because nobody's going to pay for it, Netflix, Amazon, whoever, for distribution. So we're just going to give you the money for the movie and burn this obligation up. That's what it feels like to me. And I think that if we get a Star Trek Legacy announcement, it's going to come after there's been time to look at Nielsen numbers and watch time numbers so they can sit there and say, Picard Season 3 is a hit, and it's Terry Metalis who did it, and now we're going to give him another show. And they're going to they're gonna hype it up. But, but now that the season is over, I, we weren't going to get any kind of an announcement for Legacy before the season finale because that would ruin it. You know, that would, that would spoil some stuff. Now that we've got the show done... We give it enough time to get through some of the measurements and, and data on performance, which they can then turn around and use that to hype up the new one. And they say, yeah, we're going to do Star Trek Legacy because you asked for it. So I figured maybe I'm, in the I'm next little, week or so we'll get that. Maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned in it about that. And it kind of goes off of what Cam said. Now, there's there's sort of two there's two sides to it. It's the one is the Doomcock side where it's without respect. We reject mm -hmm. and we shouldn't watch anything and support anything. The other side is the, Hey, we got to tell them, we got to watch what, what, when they're getting, when they're doing better things, we got to watch it. Otherwise, you know, it's going to die and we got to, we got to reward them, you know, as they're getting better, like right. a little child, when you go, good job, you pat them on the head for, you know, something. But, <laughs> you know, my concern is kind of what, you know, goes with what Cam said. And it's like, I mean, this was, and this is my opinion, of course, this season was not a good season. It was better than what's come before. It's been, it's better than what a lot of the, the direct they've put out, but it's yeah. still not good. And if they look at this and go, Hey, this is what the people want. A bunch of me member berries tied together in a, in a, in a below average storyline. Let's give them more of that. Then I would be concerned because I would just like to see some good Star Trek with well, good writing. And I don't, I mean, new characters, old characters, I don't care. I just want yeah. to see some, you know, good science fiction. Put I together. think, well, given, given Terry Metalis's track record with 12 monkeys, for example, he has proven that he can he, that he can carry a show and he can deliver the goods as far as that goes. I I really feel like season three of Picard was a combination. I keep calling it a greatest hits album, but it's also a salvage operation. It's you know this is triage, this is emergency surgery. Let's save the patient. And now that he's kind of done that, maybe. Uh, we can move forward with something that he really wants to do. I th I think that uh, this particular season was kind of an outlier because it's the final season of the of Next Generation. It's the last movie of the Next Generation, the one that they never got. And so now that that's yeah. done out of the way, then we can go with our new ship and our new crew, and we can start telling new stories. And and there's potential there. Because you have that brand new mix, then 
that gives you opportunities for brand new stories, and we're not going to be revisiting everything member berries all the time every every episode because you're going to have your you know strange new worlds and all of that. Let's go explore, and it feels like that. Let's we're we, we've got we got the Borg out of the way, we got the Chancellors out of the way, we got Picard and the Next Generation crew and cast out of the way. We're not even going to have to use Ten Forward anymore. Because now we've gotten our money's worth out of that set that we had to build. Now let's go. Let's go explore. And I think I think there's an opportunity here if Legacy gets greenlit, that it'll be more of the seek out new life and new civilizations show that we that we've been wanting. Because well, Terry, I, Terry's I done that show. He's been on those shows. He understands yeah, what I, makes Star Trek work. I think probably better than Kirkman I, does at least. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I hope you're right. I, I agree that maybe he saved the patient, but I would say that the patient's still, you know, the patient's not walking around. It's lying in a bed. It's still on life support. Yeah. It's missing a couple arms and legs and stuff. <laughs> I mean, he might have saved it, but yeah. it doesn't look very pretty. So no, I'm I, hoping, you know. There's still a long way right. to go. There's yeah. a long way to go. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's get from there to here. not good. If it doesn't. And yet this show's got far more attention and accolades at this point than, uh, Discovery. Well, see, well, dis- Discovery dis- is garbage. Discovery, I mean, is, Discovery is kind horrible. of a unique animal because Discovery's got all of the money already committed. They have to make season five, and all of that's done. I mean, the money's already been spent, and and the and the contracts and everything. So, but but once it's done, see, so kind of, and I think Doomcock was right on this. I think season four ended up getting split into season four or season five in order to fulfill that commitment, burn it up, because we didn't get any announcement for Season 6 because Discovery is such a popular, wonderful show. It's done. Did and you see um, the picture from Strange New Worlds of the Klingons? Yes, and they look They're like Klingons. They're going to look like the 80s Klingons. They're not going to look like the Brian Fuller Klingons from Season 1 of Discovery. Right. Oh, God, those Klingons and are I, bad. I think, that's, I think that's a step in the right direction. I mean, I, I it does... It does feel like there are minor course corrections in place. Ever so often, you get this little glimpse that maybe somebody in the C-suite is starting to listen to people. I I don't know. I I'm not those... going to get my hopes up too much, but you know, it, there's 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 hints. I think those discovery people are, are, I mean, they're smoking crack or something. I mean, those writers, like they, Michael Burnham, and this is just a small point. Michael Burnham in the first, you know. Season one and two was all about, you know, she's a human who's risen, like, who's very logical and, you know, unemotional because she's uh, been raised by Vulcans and everything. And then you get to season three and every episode she's crying about something. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell did you guys forget? What the hell is wrong with you people? So was the Kelpian who's whining, apparently destroyed all the dilithium in the galaxy. Yeah. The, you know what? Oh, and I, I'm not questioning no. anybody's oh, personal God. politics, but Stacey Abrams was the final straw for me. Yeah, that that was that was Stacey over Abrams? the top. Completely inappropriate. Yeah. What what's, what are you referring to? So uh... Stacey Abrams was in the midst of running for governor of Georgia when she oh, made, right. made an appearance as the president of Earth. Right, right, Discovery. right. I remember now. Yeah. Yes. That see that, yeah, that to me a... that's a that's a campaign donation. That's an in-kind yeah, donation that's... that needed to be reported to the to the election officials. See, I don't even I don't even care about that because that's just like, you know, getting some idiot to come up and and 
you know, do a cameo like uh, yeah. Jack Black and Lizzo in the. But like, it was a specific. Me, but it was you know, a specific I mean, type of cameo, though. It was very, yeah, very, very it, much a pointed political message that they were trying yeah, to say. And it's and it's wrong. But yeah, it's very you know, again, you know, that didn't make any difference to the storyline they could have used anybody in that position right so i, I kind of like i look at it and go it's stupid but i don't really care because i'm focused on a good story well except see the thing about it is though you should story. except you should care because the political overrode the the story and you're right anybody could have been in that position anybody could have played that part the fact that they got stacy abrams to do it specifically stacy abrams to do it is is very pointed in its message from the Star Trek creators, the Discovery yes. team, to yes. the general population at the time. That I, all I, that was I agree, on. but it doesn't make any. But it doesn't make the story better or worse if they had gotten anyone else, right? Instead well, of her if you don't like Stacey right. Abrams, there's yeah. the Guardian of Forever appearing like a Al, Al Capone dressed mobster from the 30s. <laughs> that was such a dumb yeah. thing. The, the story is just as bad if with with Stacey Abrams or with someone else playing that is my point. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, it's not, you know, and I agree it's completely political and it's inappropriate and it's it's a big, you know, a big middle finger to, you know, presumably some portion of the fans who might not agree with that uh, side of the political aisle. And it's just stupid. Why? Why bother doing it? Uh, it just shows something about them. That, yeah, uh, it, does. Know, it does. They would it rather does. preach politically than than make a good show which is you know further evidence from you know to me why the show is horrible yeah but i think that's another re- <laughs> excuse me i think that's another reason why picard season three works better than the other two the the other two episodes uh, the other two seasons and discovery as well because there's no message in this in this season there's no you know there's no Immigrants at the border allegory. There's no Trump. There's no Brexit like Picard, like like Patrick Stewart wanted to oh. do for the first season. Oh none, none of that's in yeah. there. God, that was it's horrible. All, I it's all agree gone. With that. Yeah. Well, wasn't it the last season that we were griping about the environment? Yeah. Uh, and that and it had got, the earth had gone a different way. Uh, yeah. 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 I I think there was definitely a a message with this one go forth and enjoy well okay no seriously compared to everything else that they have done you know and i've been sitting here and chit-chatting with my cousin over this because he has lots of questions and just how this show has been everywhere and they finally pulled their stuff together for this episode or this season compared to the first two seasons and um you know so we've been talking about it and he just now this is the same guy who finally got around to maybe liking discovery when they did something i don't know i think it was like the season two he's like okay this isn't so bad but then it was bad yeah and um but no i mean it's just i'm i'm gonna jump on the bandwagon of you know there's a there's a that they went out and yeah there's a lot of those uh member berry things going on but it just was, it was fun. And, you know, it's just kind of like, compared to everything else, the only other thing I have seen come out of Star Trek since I've started watching the new stuff that I've enjoyed has been Prodigy. And I, I, I don't I know, maybe it's that. because I have a soft spot in my heart at this point for Janeway because we've been watching Voyager 
We haven't we watched need. that much Voyager, though. We haven't watched that much Voyager yet. We need, we need to we get need, back on Yeah, that. we do need to now that we've caught up and finished DS9 and we're doing the original series. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying maybe that's a little bit of why I've you know, kind of enjoyed Prodigy. And it was a good story, I think. I don't know, coming from you know, my uneducated view here. But uh, I just had to say that. I, I actually uh, enjoy Voyager. When it first came out, I was like, oh, they have a chick captain. Oh, it's going to be one of these. Uh, they're pushing. They're, they're, oh, it's always got to be. But, you know, over the season, she grew. And I was, you know, she became a real, ca- like the first season, she's all like, I think I said this before. She's all, you know, uh, mooning over her boyfriend being away from him. Oh, no, yeah. I miss him in the first episode. You know, oh, I'm going to miss you going on this, you know, on this spaceship. I mean, you know, she's a captain. She should know she's going to be away for a while. But uh, by the end of the uh, seasons, uh, you know, season seven, she's a hard ass. And uh, that journey for her was very, was, was good. And it was a good story, uh, yeah. you know, to see her slowly over the seasons become harder and harder, arguing with her first officer, you know, never not compromising when she thought she was right. And even sometimes you're like, is she right or not? You're not even sure. And it could have gone and it could have gone either way. So I thought that was a great, you know, they did a great job with her. OK, so it's something to look forward to, because I know that with oh, the development that. that we no, had. Okay. Oh, no, 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 you're fine. I, I, I look forward to I know people are so split on her. Either you like her or you don't like her. And I know that watching, you know, through Deep Space Nine and seeing the development of the characters uh, that we have, I mean, that's why I've been screaming all through the season of Picard with, you know, some of the theories we had on what was going on, especially since they brought up the changelings, we need more Cisco. And yes, Jason has explained a lot to me on we're not getting Cisco, but I can still sit there and say and hope. But um, but I really enjoyed watching those characters develop, you know, especially with uh, Bashir going from, you know, going out into the wild, wild west to, you know, what he ended up at the very end. And so to hear that We've, you know, in Voyager that you're going to see that and, you know, it may bring her to why I like what I'm seeing now. I'm excited to see it. It's just a matter of sitting down and doing it. (laughs) On top of everything else we got to do. If they could bring back Q, they could bring back Cisco. And uh, and I would say that, uh, (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I don't know if you knew this, but my understanding is that, um, you know, Deep Space Nine was. You know, they were thinking of going to an eighth season, and Bashir. It was going to be revealed that Bashir has been a Section Thirty-One plant from the beginning. That was a rumor that was going around. There was some talk about uh, um, that was maybe a plan. Not I, saying that they wrote I, anything for. I it don't anything, know. But... The only thing that I know about any potential season eight was uh, in the documentary they did, "What We Left Behind." Where the writers got together and they broke they broke a a simulated season eight scenario. Where would we be if we came back to this? And I don't remember hearing anything about uh, about Bashir being a, a Section Thirty One plant. Um, he does I think look it's a ter- fabulous in a tux. It's a terrible idea, but. Um, well, he's a uh, he's a he's gen- a genetic uh, he's genetically perfect or he's yeah. genetically engineered, right? Yeah. So, 
Uh, but maybe I, this was maybe I got this from an alternate timeline. I, I sometimes I mix up my timelines. No, well, so, uh, now he did in in the books. Uh, he did end up having to do some stuff working with Section Thirty One. There was a there was a series of stories uh, where he did some stuff that he had to cooperate with Section Thirty One in order to get some things done. But he he's never been a a secret plant from Section Thirty One that I know of. Well, he's, I mean, he's done things, he, he did things in the show. In, uh, yeah, know, and he's also six done, or seven, he, yeah. they make him do something, and he, and, you know. And there was some and, more of that in, in some of the novels that came afterwards. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's funny that you bring up Q, because one of my cousin and I were talking, and he was, this is how bad Picard it is. He was trying to remember what happened in the first two seasons, and I'm like, well, basically the first season was this, and then this person, this person died. And then the next season, they're alive again. And this guy comes in, and then they all die. But then we have this, and they're still alive. I'm like, nobody ever dies. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, Trip died in Enterprise, but I, I was going to say Enterprise was my trek that I absolutely detested when it was brand new. Um, it probably took me the better half of... It was basically after the first J.J. Abrams Trek movie in 2009. I was like, there's got to be something out there better than this. And I went back and watched it, and I was like, okay. I just wasn't ready at the time. Yeah. This is fine. The temporal Cold War yeah. is a big thing for me, is a big bugaboo for me, because there, there's never really a good resolution for that. I'm like, this is a dumb idea. I don't like this idea. Now, again, separating... Is it good science fiction from is it good Star Trek? You can make that distinction. It's okay, decent science fiction-ish, but it's not very good Star Trek. Until you get to season four when Manny said, you know, we're Which supposed to be making this. We're not going to be making a Star Trek series, right? Now, he had plans, yeah, for, so he had plans for season five if they had managed to save it that would have taken things even closer to original series continuity than what we had in season four, but they never got a chance to do it. That's what bothers me about uh, Enterprise so much is is there was a ready-made story. I mean, all of the the history in there was outlined between you know um, you know up up to the the founding of the Federation and everything. It, it's like uh, Manny Cotto clearly was someone that was familiar with that, and no one else bothered to read it. The, you know, the Earth Romulan War and everything yep. that led up to the foundation of. Uh, uh, the Federation. Uh, this was this was gold, <laughs> waiting yeah. to be put on film, and these dopes completely blew it. But you're right, Manikoto did try to steer it back on the tracks there, but you know there just wasn't enough time. I also so thought I, the the member berries uh, with Riker and was it Counselor Troy? Yes. In the last oh. I, I thought that was very unnecessary. You could have just gone to the uh, where were they at the end? The um, the the formation of the federation that right. ceremony uh-huh. yeah, yeah they they just should have cut to that well and rick berman in in hindsight rick berman has acknowledged that putting riker and troy in there with this whole thing being a holodeck was a mistake so at least they've admitted that that was a bad idea so i i, I agree with i agree with what cam said they had already made you don't have to up the stakes with this you know, weird time travel crap, and right. it's always, you know, everything is always worse than it was before. You can just have a good storyline there. And, I mean, my th- feeling was with the Troy and the Riker stuff is that they, I assume that the show was failing at that point, and they're like, hey, let's throw in some characters that people like 
still. Maybe we yeah. can get the yeah, views kinda. up. I mean, but it's, you know, that never Well, works, I mean, the so. show was already canceled at that point anyway. So they, they knew they weren't going to get a season five. They put that in there just to have a connection to the other Star Trek stuff, just to remind people, hey, yeah, this is still Star Trek. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was a, it was a bad, it was a bad move, and they've admitted as much. So you know, there's that. I but it's quick... interesting how we go back to Enterprise and go, you know, we didn't really like it when it came out, but we look at what we yeah. got now and we say, kind of like wow, kind of like the, like the prequel, way better, kind of like the prequel trilogy of Star Wars, right? Well, as Jason would put it, there's a, <laughs> there's a beagle in Enterprise, so why wouldn't you like it? Yeah. Well, um, okay, yeah. I have a quick that, question. Well, well, let me that, let me let okay, me interject here. Let me follow up on on something that Cam uh, the Cam said about the Romulan thing, uh, uh, the ready-made thing. There is a book in the Pocketbook series, Starfleet Year One, that was originally released one chapter at a time in the back of other novels and was finally compiled together. And I can't remember who wrote it. I don't know. I don't think it was K.W. Jeter. Uh, but if you go back and, and look at Starfleet Year One as a novel, and that is essentially what Enterprise should have been, the formation of Starfleet right after the Romulan War. And it's done really well, and it puts together all of these independent starf starship captains into this new thing that we're going to try. The Federation is brand new. Uh, the Romulan War is over. We're licking our wounds. We're recovering. We're rebuilding. We need a space military that has everybody in the Federation represented. It can't be just Earth. It can't be just humans. we got to integrate all these people and get everybody to figure out how to work together on these ships. And it's a really well-done origin story for Starfleet. And, and if, any, if anybody is looking for that kind of story, I would recommend that one because it's better. So, what was your question, Mrs. Boss? My question, bouncing back to Picard, because <coughs> my cousin was asking me this, and I couldn't give him an exact answer. I thought I might, but Green. I wasn't sure. Um, he was rounding back to the Borg, and he had asked me, um, do, 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 do. he's like, I don't remember too much. He's like, when was the Borg destroyed? And he's so, and I, I mean, I remember the stuff from First Contact, but am I missing, like, what happened with the Borg to put them into the position they are currently yeah. were in, in this um, season? Uh, well, uh, just, okay, Mazurus has got a meeting to get to. Thanks very much for being here, Bye, sir. Bye, Mazurus. Good to, see you. good to see you there. Um, yeah. Uh, one of these days, we will get a Hondo Onaka show. <laughs> and uh, we will celebrate with uh, Jawa juice. Um, uh, in terms of the question, for your question, there is an answer to that, but we, <laughs> we need to watch Voyager because I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to spoil okay. Voyager for you. Okay, so. Basically, okay, if you say that, so we need to watch Voyager. So there's the stuff that happened in First Contact and the stuff that happened in Voyager. Yes. And that leads up to where they are today or was yesterday. I ish, yes, yes. Okay. I will let him know yeah. this. Thank you. Okay. So, um, I mean, I, I just, something that Jason said, which, which, which scares me is, uh, and uh, sorry, worries me more than scares me, is what you mentioned about, Star Wars and Enterprise and, you know, you know, the prequels being now considered 
better compared to the stuff we have. Right. Well, if you follow that trend line, our inner, you know, our, this popular culture entertainment is just going to get worse and worse and worse. Right. Yes. You know, the prequels aren't so bad. They, you know, we didn't like them when they came out, but they're not so bad compared to the stuff we got later. Yeah. Well, that just, that's a bad well, trend line. That's, to that's where we are now with Star Trek though. I mean, exactly. No, I agree. hundred percent. That that's a problem. Thing. But I think there's also potential to turn it around because at this point, the fans are getting loud enough and the shareholders for these companies are starting to speak up and, and, and spout off and ask questions and push back and say, hey, wait a minute, this is not the right path for this company to take. You're dealing, you're losing me money as a shareholder. It's time to course correct. And I think we're starting to see some of that push from both fans and shareholders, people who actually have ownership in the companies. And we're starting to see a little bit of course correction. What you see with the success of Top Gun Maverick, the success of Super Mario Brothers, the success of the Terminal List, for example, over on, on streaming. And these, these stories that don't have the political agendas in them. And you've got Robert Iger on the shareholders call on record now acknowledging well, we've got to have we you know we've got to keep in mind parents' concerns, and we have to be agenda we have to be entertainment driven and not agenda driven. And people can now hold him to that and say, "You said, here it is on record. We've got a recording of it. This is what you said, and and now we're going to hold you accountable." And we're starting to see this kind of swing back to center, and with stuff like Picard season three, with. Maybe, I mean, Mandalorian was kind of doing it until it kind of went off the rails for this third season. Who? What? <coughs> what show? But you're you're getting a little bit of an effort to kind of slide things back into let's entertain people instead of preaching at them. So maybe I don't know that we've I mean, Ghostbusters Afterlife. That wasn't that didn't have any kind of message in it other than just you know let's just do this. So you know, maybe we're getting a little bit more of that than we were. I don't know that we've completely turned the corner yet, but I think we're making I, progress. I, I, I think that what you said is, is fine, that there's uh, maybe there is something turning around. But this is something I've kind of harped on in the past, too, and it's, it, it relates to the member berries thing. And that is we as fans might be too lazy. Uh, about things and and be too willing to just be saying just give us what we used to have just give you know what which is ending you know it, my claim is this has ended in stagnation mm -hmm. you know i again i said i've been forced into this position but i don't necessarily want more like deep space nine it's like i love that show it's my favorite star trek one of my favorite entertainment pieces uh, ever and i am just terrified that some idiot is going to come along and, and <clears throat> And ruin it. What, ruin it. Relieve themselves yeah. on it, like like they did with Star Wars. Well, you know, I don't want that. I, I I'd rather just cut it off at this point. Leave yeah. well enough alone. I, well, we need I new think, stuff. And Larry, I think that's a reasonable fear based yeah. on uh, well, what we've seen since then. Larry Korea, uh, writing over on his blog, he's been talking about this in terms of the epic fantasy stuff. Because he has seen a number of people talking about the this notion of. Uh, 
because these epic fantasies are usually series of books, right? You get three books or five books or 12 books or 30 books or whatever, you know, like that, like Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time. And he's frequently seeing the comment from people saying, I don't want to try anything new until the series is finished because you have George R.R. R. Martin and Patrick Rothmas out there who continue to not deliver the next book in the series. And, and then you, you've got David Gerald, who's been 30 years uh, since, you know, 30 or 40 years since he's written anything in the Tor series. And people yeah, still are wondering about that. It, it's a great point. <laughs> so he's saying, you've got these people who feel burned and they're not willing to give anybody new a chance so you have a lot of these new authors, up-and-coming authors, who may be brilliant, but nobody wants to take a chance on reading any of their stuff because they've gotten so gun-shy. Well, you're not going to finish. You're not going to finish the series. Well, what if they don't? Well, you still get a book that you get to you get to enjoy, and well, maybe it doesn't look, go. Look at, look at Game of Thrones, though. That that is a complete story. It's uh, meaning it's a seven-part story or whatever. It's supposed to be into eight or whatever. <laughs> yeah. the, if they ever finish, he, he has stopped. I, George R. R. Martin, I, I cannot stand that guy. He, he is extremely smart. Let me slow down for a second. Breathe, breathe. <laughs> I, 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 I had people that 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 were were praising these books. You know, b before he had this huge break, they, my yeah. my role playing group, the, the, these guys were, oh my god, you got to read this book. You got to. This is the best ever. Da, 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 da. And you know, I, I read the first book and I was like, eh, it, you know, it's okay. I, the, the highlight of the entire thing, as far as I'm concerned, is the the prologue and it went downhill from there the prologue was great by the way the if you want to just book. enjoy something what was that the third book if you can get to the third book third book well I, I i can't i can't i got to the second book i read it and then i saw that you know these delays are going on I'm like this guy does not respect me as a customer and, and you know he can do whatever he wants he can he can drop this but you're not going to get my money for that. Yeah. I, I, I really don't like that guy. I think he is disrespectful of his, his audience. But I bring up, I bring up Korea and, and him talking about it because we need to find the new things. It's like, like you guys are talking about. Um, Sci-Fi Channel has right now a series called The Ark. It's from Dean Devlin. And it's a new story. You've got this colony ship. That gets damaged and people get woken up out of their hibernation because the ships gets damaged and the 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 top tier crew are now all dead and you've got a bunch of scientists and engineers and whatnot who have to basically save the colony ship and they're nowhere near where they're supposed to be when everybody wakes up. So now it's basically a survival story. And I'm seeing I'm seeing a bunch of good buzz about it. I haven't sat and Didn't watched it. Did it get canceled? No, it's got renewed for season two. Okay, okay. Yeah. I knew I've seen it. No, it's it. been renewed. I, I've seen the so something. So you yeah. have that. You have The Expanse, which managed to go five, five six seasons. Six, um, I So you, you have the new stuff that's out there occasionally kind of peeking over the fence saying, well, we're here. Does anybody want to see what we've got? And we got to give those new ones a chance. And, yeah, and, and So... And there are there are some of us out here. We're going to be making new stuff. You know, something I, I mean, that next George Lucas could be on YouTube right now. Who knows? 
I mean, I think the expanse has got its thing. I mean, it's it's eight or nine books. It's a you know couple you know six seasons of TV. Yeah, uh, and it's good. Uh, you know, I, I highly recommend the expanse, the books, and the uh, and the television show. The television show is so much on point with the hard science fiction that it makes it fun and interesting to to watch. Um, not so the last two books of the expanse, not as uh, as. I don't think they're as good, but part of it is because you know the crew is all really old. Then, like the original people, yeah, uh, it's there's a thirty year break, and they're all of a sudden they're old, and it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to go around, you know, I don't want to see my heroes, you know, going around with a walking cane and going, "Hey, what was that, Sonny?" <laughs> like it's a little bit uh, harsh. I think they should have just yelling you know, went on. But they they do finish the story off, and I do recommend the books. It's good reading overall. Well, currently, um, I you know I was talking to Mr. Boss last night. You know, currently I'm reading the new uh, Paolini uh, series that he's done. And he actually wrote all the books together and is just releasing them. So it's not like I'm writing this for the next Netflix deal or anything like that. Now, I know how much I love The Inheritance Cycle. And I know that there was a movie that I've been told never to watch. And I know that they are doing, what is it, on Disney Plus? They're going to be doing a series. And I can see how that works. Now, this new series that he's written, um, I have two of the books. There's a short story that goes with a game, actually, um, also involved. But it's science fiction. This is his step into the science fiction world versus the fantasy world of Aragon. And from, I'm at the very tail end of the first book so that I can read the second book before it comes out and do a review. And the story, world building, everything he had writing the Inheritance series is there. And it's and it, and it, it's it's science fiction. I mean, it's definitely science fiction. My, my brain's hurting a little bit because I don't normally do the science fiction thing. But I was asking Jason a question regarding Farscape, and I'm going to leave it at that. Because I feel like it's kind of going a little bit in that direction, but not quite in that direction. I don't know, because obviously I'm in the first book. But the way I see it, you know, if they were to give him a chance on maybe this, it could be something that people well, might like. The other the other part of that, though, and, and you've, got, you've got other authors that are starting to do that more. You've got Brandon Sanderson that wrote five books in the middle of COVID and, and lockdown. You've got, uh, you've got Declan Finn, who's written all of the St. Tommy NYPD books, and they're just releasing them. You know, there's a schedule. All of the books are done. They're edited, they're copy edited, all the stuff is finished and the and the covers and all that. Now it's just putting them on a release schedule. But I think the other thing too is we need to have books that are not Netflix pitches. We need to have comic books that are not Netflix pitches. And we need to have TV shows and movies that stand alone by themselves and they don't have to be part of this giant shared universe where you gotta do a bunch of homework in order to understand what's going on. You know, the D&D movie is a good example of that. Nobody, if you go in and you watch the Dungeons and Dragons movie, you don't have to know a lick of anything having to do with the game in order to enjoy the movie. Because it's it's a fantasy movie and it's a and d movie. And if you, if you understand Dungeons and Dragons and you're steeped in the lore, you've played the game, you're familiar with all the elements, you'll recognize all of the little, you know, 
winks and nods and Easter eggs and all of that. But if you don't know anything about the game, you can still enjoy the movie because it's a fantasy movie. And we need more of that. We need more standalone stories that don't have to go through 12 different sequels in order to tell the entire story. So, I mean, I, I while I agree with Cam about, you know, George R.R. R. Martin and stuff like that, I mean, I'm from the era, you know, the 70s and 80s when people wrote, you know, they didn't write, you didn't write a trilogy. You wrote a book. Right. And if it was well-received, then you wrote more. So, uh, and and those things kind of happen organically. They don't have a big structure over. I mean, that's what Star Wars was written, right, by, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, it was written a story, and then they're like, oh, okay, people like it. I'm going to write more because I want to make more money. So I well, don't think you need to have that whole, hey, let's let's have a, we need a whole thing set out. The writer can build that as they go. And it's kind of like, uh, um, Cam mentioned, uh, you know, uh, role-playing games. And, I, and I'll, and I'll, talk about it's it's like the character in a role-playing game like the one you know you can set them up you know you could make up a, a level 10 wizard right now and make them up but a level 10 wizard that you just made up yesterday versus one that you started at level one and worked its way up to level 10 is a different is a different being right like the way that they'll have they'll have dealt with things and they'll have situations they'll be much more ready to face you know whatever world it is they face than uh, you know having work their way up there yeah. and that's kind of like the way we used to do it and and, and with uh, no regard, one had a problem with it and with regard to star wars i want to point out also that in the event that star wars failed they had this thing as a contingency this thing called splinter of the mind's eye which Great was book. originally conceived as a sequel to star wars in a way that they could implement it as the direct line sequel to Star Wars, if Star Wars failed as a movie, that this was this was kind of the standby idea. It ended up being its own book by itself, but it was the plan B if they didn't go into the Empire Strikes Back. So even even back then, you know, there was no yeah, sure, George Lucas had an idea for three films, but he didn't know that he was going to be able to make three films. You know, for opening weekend, he and Spielberg have their families in Hawaii, and Lucas isn't paying attention to anything. He gets a phone call from Alan Ladd Jr. said, hey, Star Wars is a hit. And Lucas is like, well, it's the first weekend, and well, let's just see what it does the second weekend, because science fiction films always do well on the first weekend, but then they fall off. And then for six months, it was, you know, gangbusters and changed everything. And now everything's got to be a trilogy. Everything's got to be a quadrilogy. Everything's got to be a series. Everything's got to be a shared universe. And Star Wars did that. Probably to Hollywood's detriment. If, if you really want to be honest about it. Star yeah, Wars. And, Star Wars know, did a lot to to improve storytelling and make make some things happen, but it also did did harm. I think. And movies should be, uh, you know, movies should be something in their own right. I mean, a Marvel in the beginning was pretty good at this, where each Marvel movie would be in its a movie in its own right, but it would have you know hooks for the next one yeah. or whatever's going to happen next, and they did it well you know, for the most part in the beginning, not so much anymore, but, and that's perfectly fine to do that, but it's still got to, you know, each book, each movie should be something, a piece that I can consume and enjoy in its own right and not have to see 
part two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Otherwise, you know, and I, I, and I think that's, that's one of the things that's working against the Marvel cinematic universe now is that they're spending too much time and attention on the shared universe aspect of it and not on the individual stories because this is, this is a giant TV show. And Kevin Feige yeah. is the showrunner, and we're just getting episodes of the TV show rather than standalone movies. And I think that works against it at this point because now it's yeah. all got to, there's so much focus on it's all got to be connected that yeah. you kind of each, you each episode it is each episode is mediocre. It's not good. Yeah, yeah, right. Because They're the directors just, you're getting down, you're getting mediocre. yeah because you're getting newbie inexperienced directors because. The idea is we can tell you what you're going to do. And you have people like Kevin Feige and Victoria Alonso basically doing the storytelling, even though you've got script writers and you've got directors. But what they're being told is you have to do certain things in order to fit the overall shared universe. So it's not completely the director's story at that point. And it's yeah. not completely the writer's story or the director writer's director's story because the visual effects, you've got the visual effects houses being told, okay, this has to happen, this has to happen, and go from point A to point Z and figure out how you get there. And so you've got a lot of the visual effects houses basically creating story by how they put together the effects. And, and it's this hodgepodge amalgam Frankenstein monster that you get when it finally gets to the screen. And that's yeah, and not I can sustainable. I can imagine what that does to uh, you know the the morale and your 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 desire to work. Like let's say yeah. you're a director, you're hired for a movie, you're you're you know traditionally a director has a has very wide latitude about what to do and they can sit there and it's their project and they're like I want to make this project good because yeah. this is what my you know uh, my name is going to go on this and I'm going to tweak it and I'm going to you know do this and do that to make sure it is the best thing that it can ever be. But if you're a director and you're sort of, you're new, you're showing up, you're like, Oh, I'm going to do this Marvel movie. And then there's some guy over, he's going, Hey, you got to do it like this. You got to do it like that. You know, you're like, at some point, what, what do you say? Human nature. What do you just say? Well, you know, screw it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to put in any extra effort. They, they don't let me do anything. They, I got to do everything they say. I feel like I'm just, you know, a slave to them. I don't have any creative control at all. Whatever. I'll just do whatever they get, cast the check, who cares if it's good or not? And that right? could be. And I think and that, that's where you're, you're. Yeah, and that could be what we're seeing over at Lucasfilm, with so many, sure. with so many directors getting fired over creative differences because there's too much attempt to control at the top. Yeah, and I, I, I give those guys some, you know, you got to give them some. Uh, some props for, uh, you know, they're, they have the balls to stand up and say, no, no, I need some creative control. If you want me to do a good job, you're hiring me because I'm a good guy and I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, if, if you're not going to let me have some control over, you know, making a good product, then fire me and get someone who will just do whatever you say. And they're like, okay, sure, you're fired. Yeah. Get, we'll get this guy. He'll just do what he's told. <clears throat> and then your product suffers. Uh, I wanted to do mention, uh, lastly, I wanted to mention that, you know, uh, Jason, you've got a big, you're, you're hoping with the fans, like, oh, the fans can come and change things. And I, I mean, I hope you're right, but 
I just recently saw a uh, a little uh, clip from uh, one of the Star Wars celebrations where they announced the rise of Skywalker, and they put the trailer out, and the fans in there are just going crazy and yeah. eating up, eating it up, like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And you know, we just see it, and it's just it it, it makes me fear uh, <laughs> that maybe the fans are not, yeah. you know, hopefully you're right, but maybe the fans are not as great. I mean, I was, they're cheering for well, this crap. I'm, I've got two words, Bud Light. <laughs> Consumers are getting to the point where they're pushing back. And the marketplace will adjust, and there will be some corrections. Let me real quick uh, give a shout-out to Hex Allen Comics and Joe's Atmosphere showing up here in the chat. Good to see you. Joe, Joe's Atmosphere coming over from Midnight's Edge. Uh, yes, consumers have power, and I think I think that's another thing. You know, I try to remind people: you, you, it's your dollar, it's your vote when it comes to controlling this kind of thing. Consumers, I don't think consumers quite understand just how much power they have potentially. They have to be reminded of this that you know because they keep getting spoon fed all of this stuff and told that they like it, and told what they're supposed to like, and you know brainwashing, uh, propaganda, whatever you want to call it, they've been conditioned to just go along to get along. And we're starting, I'm hoping that we're getting more of the people who are just finally have had enough. You know, it's, it's the people who just want to be left alone just let me live my life, and now you're force you're forcing me to acknowledge all of these things that I don't like, that these are problems, and now I'm going to do something about it. And that's, I think, what we're starting to see. The Bud Light thing is an example of that. And if you have more of those situations... Well, it's... That, go ahead. No, Sorry. go ahead. No, no, no. No, no, no. no it's what? Well, no, I was going to sit there and say it's not even just the consumers. It's the other people who are in, you know, yeah, you have the consumers. You have the people who buy the Bud Light and stuff like that. But there was an article the other or that I came across that there's a model for, um, was it Honey Burnett or whatever? Yeah. Who quit because they hired a model who was Jan Jensen. She's like... Do you even know who your audience is? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. They, it wasn't that they got a transgendered model. It's the fact that they put a male, a biological male, presenting male and and physically all male, in a three piece women's lingerie, and she sat there and said, "I'm done. I'm checked out." Yeah. And you're going to get more of that too. The endorsement deals and and that kind of thing. I think we're starting we're starting to get more of that, and hopefully that will continue. So, um, just yeah, a little advice. I mean, I think there's sort of like a three. There's kind of in most fandoms, there's sort of a three levels of fan. There's the believer who will consume anything. Yes. That you put out. And there's the sort of the normalish fan who's like, I like Marvel movies, but if they're crappy, I'm not going to go see them. If, you know, I like Star Wars, but if I hear that the movie's crap, I'm not going to see it. I'm, I'm, you know, they don't. And in the middle, there's kind of like me, who I, I do want to see these Marvel, these Star Wars movies, simply because, uh, you know, I want to follow what's yeah. going on in the universes and, and what people are talking about. But I don't want to go and see these movies and pay for them because I don't want to reward 
something that uh, is is garbage. Well, I so, think uh, I think you could add to that another level: the casual fan who says the right things as a fan, quote unquote, but is not a consumer of the product. You you have a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of people that give lip service to fandom who say they're fans, they claim that they're fans, but they don't understand and they don't buy the product to begin with. We the, want the it, not, we're gonna, the yeah, not fans. We're going to change yeah. it. We're going to change it to suit our tastes, but we're not going to buy it anyway. We just want yeah. we just well, want to make a bunch of noise to change it. Yeah. Well, to address the people like me, um, I would just suggest that, you know, you have a local library and library cards can be very cheap for a year to free. Yeah. Ours is free. Yeah. And listen, the library gets all the big movies. I can see any Marvel. As soon as any Marvel movie is released on DVD and Blu-ray, my library has a copy of it. Now, I might have to wait a little to get the copy if it's popular and everybody's trying to get it. But I can see all these things, books, movies, whatever, without giving any money to these corporations. And I can say, yeah. well, you know, is Wakanda Forever really as bad as they say? You know what? I'm going to go to the library. I'm going to borrow it and see it. Wow, it really is crap. That's, um, that's a good point. And... Without giving them any money. So yeah. I, I, I encourage people to do that. I generally, uh, with books, I... You know, I don't want to add a book to my collection that I, that isn't great, so I don't buy books. I, I'll read them first to the library, and if it's good, I'll maybe I'll buy the series, maybe I'll buy the rest of them if I like it. But if not, I'll just like, ah, eh, it's okay, and it doesn't deserve going in the collection. So yeah. I encourage people to do that. Use your library. That's that's a good point. I, PSA. I, it's not not enough. I think not enough people understand the 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 usefulness of libraries in that sense. Yeah, our library used to be twelve bucks for a card for the year, and they they changed it a couple years ago. It's now free. Yeah, ours, so I think ours that. is free too. No, and I need to no I need to see if ours at all. mine's uh, up to date. I got to check. Yeah, and I just read an article that they're looking to drop late fee uh, charges for returning them because they're finding out that if there's a fee for returning the book late, you're more than likely not going to get the book back. Period. Yeah, so mine yeah. mine is very forgiving. Even though they have fees, they're very forgiving with it. And, you know, during COVID, they basically canceled any fees, mm-hmm. right? Because of yeah. what was going on, they just said, you know what? You take it. We don't care. You get it back, you know, a year later. We're just going to, because of a lot of people were using the library because of the whole, yeah. you know, this whole situation. They were stuck at home. So they just said, screw it. And, you know, you can get um, most libraries... Uh, I don't know if it's, I'm assuming it's in the States it's the same way. Most library has, libraries have a library board, which are made of local, you know, people in the, in the county or whatever. Right. So, you know, you can, I mean, these are fairly local people. You can go to these meetings and you can propose things like saying, Hey, you know, let's, it's a $12 fee. Why don't we just lower the fee and make it zero? Cause it's good for people. And you know, the amount of, you know, it's a thousand extra dollars. You know, you're making a thousand extra dollars. What does it matter in the county's budget? That kind of you can make those kind of, uh, you know, arguments and maybe even lower the well, costs. Well, and and the other the other thing too is that very frequently libraries will have sales to kind of churn through some of the stuff that they're getting rid of their books. Mm-hmm. They will do. Uh, they will do. Basically, it's a garage sale. It's a it's a library yeah. sale where they say, okay, these books. Are no longer going to be on our shelves. People can come in and you can buy them, and you're buying you're buying your physical copies that way. And they do yeah. go around to the different neighborhoods. They get old school buses and fill them up, 
And then, you know, you get notices that, hey, we're going to be in this neighborhood on this day from this time to this time. Come check out. We're selling these books. I've never seen that. Oh, you so, haven't? So oh. our library, uh, our my library used to do that once a year. But now they have, they still do it once a year, but they now have a, a constant display where they're like trying to get rid of books. And, yep. you know, I can go and they even do the same with DVDs, right? Like they'll get some, let's say, you know. Captain America, the really good Captain America movie comes out. They'll buy like 10 copies of it because everybody wants to watch it. But, you know, a couple years later, they've got 10 copies. They only need one. So they'll sell those, you know, nine copies for a dollar or two dollars a piece or something right. like that. So you can get physical, even DVDs. We, we do it with DVDs as well as books. Yeah. So, yeah, you can get a lot of stuff that way. Uh, physical copies like and, Jason always likes and to use, use bookstores are a good, uh, are another good place uh, for that kind of thing too, especially the classics because, uh, you know, I know Mrs. Boss <laughs> likes to laugh about this story, but you know, there's a, there's, I mean, there are used bookstores in various different places. There's one in Northwest Arkansas that we've got to get back to. Because they um, have drawers they have that drawers have that, books. And they, they got books everywhere. It's very, it's a very impressive. But not thing. for science fiction fans because yes. science fiction oh, fans no, 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 are hoarders. No, 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 no. They... science fiction fans are hoarders. We hoard our books. We do. We don't we sell do. them. We keep but, them. Uh, and it's never this, enough to buy but used this, bookstores. This used bookstore had a ton of science fiction that had just come in. They were still cataloging it. And uh, R.J. from uh, R.J. Carter from Critical Blast, he and I were there. They went through like twenty like, boxes, just, and then they found the drawer. Just give us a box. Just give us a box of your new stuff. They hadn't even cataloged it and put it on the shelf yet. It's like, oh, yeah, let's go well, through it. We'll see what we got. And we ended up buying fair. a bunch of stuff. So that's not fair. I mean, Why is that not fair? it was that's, cute. My problem. That's my problem. Is you know. My local used bookstore, she she tells me, she goes like, I go, how come you don't have more science? She goes, science fiction people are hoarders. They don't yeah. sell their books. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not bringing any of mine to sell. That's for sure. I'll buy yeah. some of yours, but I'm not bringing mine. Well, in. and I'm also <laughs> and going like, through yeah. now. And, you know, given given the fact that we're going to have civil unrest and the collapse of society, it's at any given point now, civilization is just going to fall off the off the cliff. I'm, I'm going through not just with science fiction. But classic literature, you know, Count of Monte Cristo, Les Miserables, yeah. Three Musketeers, you know, that that level of classic literature as well. Because as we've seen with the Roald Dahl stuff and the Agatha Christie and you know, all these all these authors that are getting rewritten, that you're now at risk of losing the real publications that came out whenever because they're going to get changed and they're going to get sanitized and so you've got to you've got to get your physical copies and keep them for when things come back to some level of sanity when it comes to to this stuff yeah this so, is a call uh, this is a callback to last week's conversation where we mentioned farnham's freehold yeah, i believe yeah. in that story i they was, accepted books as currency I was just going to say that, uh, Jason. You heard it here first. Jason says civilization is about to collapse. <laughs> By um, Highlands, most of Highlands books like Farnham Freehold and uh, The Moon Is a Harsh Mistress, yeah. all these other books, because he deals with how to fight in a revolution or or the apocalypse. So uh, you get a good story, plus you get some good practical advice there. As well, and so. and I would say, yeah, we've we've yeah, we're doing we're doing a garden. 
where you well, we're taking steps. We're making preparations here ourselves. I'm not going to get into too much detail how much we're doing, but and you're right. There are there for as many different post-apocalyptic stories that are out there. Some of them do have some some interesting. I, I, Alas, Babylon is another good one. Uh, for and in that particular case, it's post-nuclear war, but it's still. You know, we're we're having to basically rebuild our civilization with, you know, planting crops and uh, you know, figuring out how to live without machinery because we don't have electricity anymore. And where do you get your water? And what do you do for medical supplies? And refrigeration is no longer a thing. All of these different things. So yeah, there's there's some different things out there uh, that are useful. But I would also I would also suggest Red Dawn. <laughs> as a, as a primer as well, <laughs> just to cover Red your bases, Dawn. right? Yeah, you never you can never be too safe, right? You never know. You never know. All right, that's gonna that's gonna put a button on it right here. We've gone two hours. I got to do a little bit more prep for tomorrow morning's show. Uh, Cam Snob, thanks very much for being here. Mazarus, thanks for being here as well. Uh, thanks, and uh, thanks everybody, for everybody in the chat, thanks for being here. And I do want to encourage you uh, to join us uh, tomorrow. Let me pull that up because we have a good morning multiverse in uh, the morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central. This is our weekly wrap-up of the headlines for the week. Uh, Hence the term weekly wrap-up, science fiction, fantasy, and horror comic books, video games, all that good stuff. We will have uh, Star Wars news and Star Trek news and and gaming and all of that stuff. So you can find us there. And then following uh, following that, uh, we have tomorrow uh, Foreign Bodies at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Mrs. Walker and Mr. Harvey are taking us to Mexico tomorrow. Uh, So join us for that. Now, in the meantime, you can connect with us on a number of different social media platforms. Please continue to watch the show on the other video platforms, Odyssey and Rumble and Twitch. I know we're back on YouTube, but I still want to build up the numbers on those other places. And you can connect with us on the Discord server and uh, continue the conversations there. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we will be back to do this all again next week. On Wednesday next week, we will have Monty Schultz, who is the son of Charles M. Schultz, the creator of Peanuts. He's got a new book coming out called Metropolis, which is a post-dystopian type of story uh so we'll be talking to him that'll be on wednesday we're still lining up the rest of the week but tune in and uh, again connect with us on all the different social media for the announcements and the posts and that's it for us today don't forget folks the government hates you the media lies to you god has a plan for you and there are four lights This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 